You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. Back in uh, early on in my ministry, uh, I had an elder in my church who, uh, for lack of a, a better way of phrasing it, went off the deep end. Uh, he was very black and white about things in life. Uh, just very, very, tended towards being very judgmental. His, his thing was, we need to be praying more. We need to be seeking God more, which is always a good thing, but it was out of balance because you, it was never enough. There's always this sense of condemnation and guilt that was coming. It wasn't, it wasn't just an, an encouragement to, to pray more. It was, you're not doing enough. And it, it just was, it, it was causing some problems and it was way out of balance. And uh, the one night we had a meeting at our home with um, some of our leaders. We were going to start small groups. And so we were meeting to talk about that, and he and his wife were there. And he got upset. And I, to be honest with you, I don't recall the, the details of what happened. But he stormed out, says, I'm out of here. And he left and created a very awkward situation for his wife, who, I guess I have to leave too. He's my ride, you know, kind of a thing. And, <laughs> and a couple weeks later, um, I, it's late Saturday night. I'm coming to the church just to make sure things are ready for the next day. And I, there's a note on my desk with his keys saying he's leaving the church. And uh, I didn't see him again until about three weeks later. In the middle of a service, he walks in the back and says that he has a word from the Lord for the congregation. And so I noticed he's carrying papers. And so I, you know, asked him, you know, what, you know, what it was. And so he showed it to me, and it's literally, it was like six pages of condemnation against me, the church, and everyone else associated with us that didn't agree with him. So I politely said, yeah, you're not going to read this here. You know, so he, he walked out, and to this day, I've never seen him or, or having any contact with him. But it's, it's interesting because, because of him, two of the families left the church as well because of just that, that whole scenario, that whole scene. So I tell you that story to set up this idea, is that each one of us has a perception of God. Our perception of God determines how we live our life spiritually. And the danger is, and and we need to be careful that unless we're careful, that we tend to project our personal spiritual biases onto other people. So here's my view of God. I'm going to live my life accordingly. And I think you need to do the same is typically what can happen. And within a local church, such a posture can be quite divisive, even threatening to the very existence of that congregation. Now, in our current sermon series, we find Paul addressing a very similar situation with the people in, in, or within the churches that are up in that region. Um, to this point, we're actually in the third week of a six-week series looking at uh, Paul's letter to the, to the churches in Galatia. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but um, in, I don't know that they're here I don't know, online. There's actually devotional that's been created to coincide with this series. Are they inside the program? The guides? Bulletins? Whatever. I can't get that. So. Worship guides. Thank you. I just have a problem. Okay. <laughs> It's like this mental block. It just won't work. I don't, I don't know. I just, uh, um, so you can be following along throughout the week just to supplement that and, and to be able to kind of keep up and, and dive a little deeper in some of those things. 
But in this in this series, uh, Paul's written a letter. It's a circular letter. Um, so it's written to a group of churches, and it, it comes to one church. They read it, and then they pass it on to another group, and then they read it, and, and, and so forth. Um, what's going on, what's, what's being addressed in, in Paul's letter, is that there's a group of Jewish Christians. Okay, So they're Jewish, but they are Christians, but they're not the apostles. They're not part of the, the, the leadership group that we see in the book of Acts. Um, but they've come from Jerusalem up to Galatia and those regions up there, which is present-day Turkey, uh, in case you're interested in just what the current-day logistics uh, would be. But they're trying to convince them that they need to follow the Jewish laws and customs if they truly want to be obedient to God, even tying it that you're not truly saved unless you actually follow these laws and regulations. And Paul is speaking out against those um, and... So this letter is about that. In the, the, the second half of chapter 1, the first half of chapter 2, Paul's establishing his credibility um, as to why he's authoritative and why he has authority to be able to speak in this way. He also establishes the fact that his perspective, what he's sharing, comes from Jesus himself. So this wasn't just you know, some idea. It wasn't something that the group decided. Jesus himself had imparted this this um, perspective to him. And for Paul, it was very important that the people know that he wasn't just following the orders from the leaders in Jerusalem, that this message, this new gospel, which basically meant don't have to follow the Jewish law. That was the new part of his gospel, that that was new. And uh, it was something that, that up to that point was still being worked through. And so today we're actually going to look a little bit deeper into that whole idea of what that means, and what that looks like. If you have your Bibles, in turn to one turn to Galatians chapter two. Um, the slides actually pick up with verse fifteen. I don't know why. It actually begins in verse eleven. This story. So I'm going to start reading in verse eleven, and then we're going to well, then I will when we get to verse fifteen. It should be on the screen, and you should be able to read to follow along at that point. But if you have your Bible, or if you have um, your, your phone or whatever you're looking at. Galatians chapter 2, start with verse 11. <clears throat> when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The others the other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Do we have verse 15 now? In this game? Okay. So we who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. 
For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Father, thank you for your word. And uh, as we just uh, take the next few minutes to explore a little more deeply, pray for your divine uh, insight, presence, understanding that the words I say need to be said, Lord, that what needs to be heard would be heard. And Lord, that your spirit, your name uh, would be glorified this day. And so we commit this to you in Jesus name. Amen. A few things to note about the passage uh, we just read. Um, It starts off him talking about Peter when he was in Antioch and Peter came up. Um, Antioch is one of the cities in Galatia. So Antioch is actually one of the groups that is going to be receiving this letter. Uh, this is city at that point in time was about a half million people. Um, there's, it was under Roman rule. It was a thriving center for commerce and trade. The Jewish population within that was about 65,000, what, what they estimated. So about one-seventh of the population was Jewish within, within the, the city of Antioch. It had a very large reputation as a place of commerce. Uh, Jews had a very mixed experience in, in Antioch. Uh, it depends on who was in control, who was the governor. Uh, sometimes they had a lot of freedoms. Other times there was significant persecution and violence against uh, Jews uh, within the city of Antioch. So it was a very interesting um, place. But this is, Antioch was quite often where Paul's base of operations was. Paul spent a lot of time in Antioch with the Christian believers there. So, so that's uh, just want to give you a little context for the setting as to what Paul's writing towards, what happened at that setting. Then in verse 17, uh, can we pull verse 17 up, please? I didn't warn Catherine that I was going to be doing this, so thank you. Well, that was quick. Okay. If we, while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? The translation is fairly well accepted. Everyone knows what the words are. There is great discrepancy as to what is he actually trying to say here. It's, it's not necessarily worded clearly in all, you know, in, it, uh, for us today. So here, here's, here's, remember the first guy said, sometimes in order to understand Paul at a certain point, you need to have to be able to compare other thoughts. So, so unfortunately in this case, we don't actually, we get greater insight into this particular verse when we look further on in his letter. Um, so I have the advantage of actually kind of knowing what's ahead. So I've been able to do that and then come back and say, all right, here's what he's saying, because here's what it, it lines up. And basically, here's my position on, on this particular part of the passage. Um, Galatia, that area, was, was known to be morally lax. Um, and so there was, and, and that behavior was present in the new converts into Christianity. So you had new Gentiles, largely, who were now coming to faith in Christ, but who still had a lot of their behaviors and still a lot of things that were were not easily gotten rid of. So the Judaizers, these from Jerusalem, had come to that area and basically said that you need the Jewish law to help govern your life. So that that you need, um, that this idea of grace alone is not sufficient. Um, it's, it's kind of the idea that even today, we've kind of heard this, go ahead and do it, just ask for forgiveness later. 
And, and that's what he's saying is that, yeah, that's... The, so the Judaizers were coming and saying this, so you need to accept the Jewish law so that you don't behave that way. And Paul is just saying, yeah, I get your point, but no. Uh, that's not what we're saying. We, we certainly, it does, that doesn't mean that we have freedom to sin, but it also doesn't mean that we now need to begin to follow the law. Because uh, their premise was that if you behave this way under grace, then by association, Christ is responsible for your behavior. There's an association there. Um, and then verse 18, <clears throat> if I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. This is what's known as a paradox. It's a sentence that seems to contradict itself. What was destroyed was the idea that you need to follow the law to be saved. And then if, so then he's making the point that if you now listen to the Judaizers and go back, if you rebuild that wall, then you'd be living contrary to what God really wants for you. And so basically you're saying by doing that, you're actually now using the idea of breaking the law to make a point. Basically saying, don't go back, because that's actually worse than what you, if you would just to continue on the path you're on. And then verses 19 and 20, For the, through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God, and I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's a favorite to many people. Paul is saying here that if you follow the law with your whole heart, you will come to a point when you realize it doesn't work. It doesn't bring you closer to God. In fact, because we are unable to keep the law, what happens is it actually makes us feel as if we're getting farther away from God. So it actually has the opposite effect. So by pursuing the law, Paul is saying that eventually you realize there's got to be something more than this. And you find life in Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying there. By following the law, we ultimately come to a place where we, we, just, we need something more. And in Christ, we come alive to God in a very personal way. So, little little um, perspective on just some of those verses. Sometimes Paul writes, and there's just kind of just the time distance and culture distance. It's like, yeah, what does that mean? How does how does he understand? So. Hopefully that, that helps for, for, for some of that. To this point, the issue that was being addressed uh, in Paul's letter to Galatians was false doctrine. Uh, this, this law that by promoting the law and enforcing the people to live by the law, that, that was needed for salvation. Um, the doctrine that eliminated certain people from the church. It was bringing division in the church. And it was limiting the effectiveness of the church. So here's the thing. Today in the 21st century America, we're really not challenged to follow Jewish law as a means of obtaining salvation. I don't know if any of you are struggling with that today. We can talk if you need to. But I, my guess is none of us are really struggling with that. And for the most part, we are settled on salvation based on grace through faith. I think most of us, we get that. However, that being said, there are critical issues that can create division and distract us from the message of the gospel. So how should we, the people of Grace Covenant Statesville, how should we respond to those issues when they emerge? 
So, and, and what I think what we've got here with Paul was an example of how to handle a conflict amongst yourselves. Now, if you're looking at your um, sermon outline, I'm actually going to start with point two. Uh, point one, um, hold on to that, I'll cycle back, but I'm actually going to start with verse two. I'm, not, I'm sorry, not verse two, point two. Point two says, be willing to confront deception and division. I, uh, I teach a course on conflict management uh, within, from a Christian perspective. And I spend the first morning, usually the first part of the first session, uh, talking about or establishing the fact that I can make a biblical case that God is responsible for conflict. For the simple fact that he made all of us different. I mean, the, the differences create, I mean, creation was about diversity, was about all these things. And here's, here's the simple reality. You and I hang out long enough, it's only a matter of time until you hack me off and do something that's going to bug me. Probably even less time that I hack you off and do something that bothers you. That's just the way things work. And, and it may be something simple. It may be, yeah, I want to watch, you know, I want to have pepperoni on my pizza. I'd rather have this and, you know, but. You know, so that's usually not a major conflict, but, but you understand what happens there. Uh, ultimately, because we have different tastes and personalities and preferences, it literally is only a matter of time until there's conflict in any relationship. The emotional angst that we feel when we think someone has wronged us is like a warning light in your car. But instead of telling us that we need to have our engine checked, our emotions are telling us that something is amiss in the relationship. So we must be willing to have the difficult conversations and engage the difficult problems. If we ignore the issues, they only create further division. So the fact that we have a relational conflict is not the problem. How we deal with it is. Now let's go back to number one. Speak the truth with love. Paul didn't shy away from calling out Peter publicly. And he actually made note of that. I did it in front of everyone so that you're out of place, was what he was, my summary. Um, I was once watching on TV an interview with a sports figure. I think it was a coach for a baseball team. And the, the person made this comment, says, people don't like me because I speak the truth. In my mind, I, it was on TV, so I couldn't actually engage him, but in my mind, I'm thinking, no, people don't like you because you're an opinionated blowhard. <laughs> There's a difference between opinion and truth. Um, and when, you, we, um, when we talk, let me say it this way, don't talk unless you have your facts straight. And then when you do talk, come at it from a posture that assumes you may be wrong. And what, and what that means is just, just be gracious. Um, and the other thing is be fair. I would hope that no matter what position I'm talking about, that if, if I'm talking about a position that's contrary to mine, but I'm trying to ascribe it, that someone who actually holds to that position may not agree with me, but that they would at least say, you know what, that's fair. He at least portrayed it in a fair way. Um, I think that's important. There's a, a member of my family um, not Betsy. <laughs> so I, I don't want anyone like, um, 
But this person in my family, not my kids either, so it's an extended family person, who loves to share posts on Facebook that are just outright fabrications, but align with their political views, okay? And uh, so I called them on this. I said, what's the deal? I said it a little different words, but sensibly that was it. But, but I said, why do you do that? And uh, I, you know, I said, you don't even check to see if this is factual or not. And uh, you're just adding to the noise that's out there. And uh, the response was basically this. I know what I believe. Don't bother me with the truth. Um, I unfollowed them. <laughs> so I'm still friends, but they just don't follow up my free. It's just I don't need to deal with all the noise. I just, I just don't need that. Speak the truth with love. Sometimes we talk about speak the truth with love, and we really focus on the love, which is good. But sometimes we need to speak truth and not just opinions, and not just perspectives. I don't have a problem with anybody sharing their opinion, but be upfront about that. Here's, here's what I think. Um, but when we start, we start to communicate that this is fact and this is the way it is, no, that's just kind of how you take it. And that, you may be right, but let's give room to the fact that there may be other ways to look at a particular issue in a particular situ, uh, situation. Number three, be willing to confront. Speak the truth in love. And number three, attack the problem, not the person. Our present national culture does not handle disagreements well. Whoever yells the loudest gets the attention. And there doesn't seem to be a willingness to listen by anybody. There's a tendency to disregard a perspective solely on the basis of who presented it. Uh, there's uh, another Facebook story. One time I actually shared an article, which I thought was a fairly balanced conversation. This same family member, um, not Betsy, uh, uh, so I want to be clear, um, they said, I'm not going to read it because it was published in a liberal newspaper. And uh, here's the thing. It was written by an incredibly conservative writer. And so I was just, I was really dumbfounded. I said, so the position presented by the author was rejected, not because it was a bad idea or that there was faulty in the reasoning. It was, and it wasn't rejected because the author was unfairly biased. It was rejected entirely because a newspaper that this person deemed to be not aligned with their views published that article. Here's the thing. I just think our inability to engage in honest conversations has caused us to focus on the wrong things. And we personalize the problems. When we attack the person, the usual response is defensiveness. But if we attack the problem, we can often come to some good solutions. Lastly, number four. Allow God's word to be your guide. <clears throat> Second Timothy tells us all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I also love James 1, uh, and I don't think it's on your, your, uh, the screen. In fact, I know it's not. Uh, James 1, 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. 
Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Let me close with this thought. In John 13, Jesus is talking. Okay, so so context, this is not somebody writing a good thing. Jesus is talking here. It says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Let me get that. According to Jesus, the greatest means of evangelism is not talking to other people about Jesus. The greatest means of evangelism is loving one another. Listen, life is hard. It is. We just had, this last couple of weeks, we've had more high-profile suicides, people who we think have, riding on the, on the wave, the top wave of life. Kids are afraid to go to school. Their parents are afraid to send them. Everyone seems so angry. And if they're not angry, they're afraid. What's around the corner? What's going to happen next? Honestly, I think the people in your neighborhood, the people you work with, your friends who do not yet know Jesus, they're desperate for a relationship that is real and honest and life-giving. Here at Grace Covenant Statesville, I want us to be that kind of people. I want to be a people who aren't afraid to confront deception and division, but who will speak the truth with love and grace, who will attack the problems, not one another, all under the guidance of the Holy Spirit in accordance with God's word. Amen? Amen. You with me? All right. Father, thank you uh, for Paul's Example, being willing to confront Peter over a very big issue. And, uh, Lord, I would, I would ask that uh, as we've talked this morning, I'm very conscious that there may be some who your spirit has prompted and, and reminded them of certain things that uh, maybe need to be dealt with, whether it's asking for forgiveness or seeking restitution or something that's, that's in their past that needs to be resolved. Or maybe it's the fact that something in their past needs to be let go. And, Father, they need to be able to be free from that as well. So, Lord, my prayer is that your spirit would, would not only just speak to our hearts, Lord God, but that we would have the courage to recognize that as leading of your Holy Spirit. And then we'd have the courage uh, and the strength to respond accordingly. So I guess my word to you this morning would be that if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and has prompted you about something, that you would just take a moment and just acknowledge it and make a commitment to, to act in a way that he would lead you and to see if that wouldn't restore relationships, maybe that where there's been some damage. Maybe you've been guilty of some of the things we've talked about uh, here in the last little bit. So, Father, we take all of this. And, Father, we, we want to, to continue to follow you, to, to pursue the path you've set before us, to be obedient to the life you've called us to live. So, Lord, we ask that you would...
Lord, we commit ourselves to your purposes this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.